Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML All Things Podcast, episode number 58, Tips to Avoid Developer Burnout. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joining again by my co-host, Mike Coran. If you've been enjoying the podcast so far and want to support us, there's a couple ways that you can do that. You can review us on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform that you listen to this on. You can also check us out on Patreon. We only have two tiers right now, but the $3 tier will give you a shout-out on the podcast, and we will share a link of your choice on the full show notes. And probably the most important one is you can just share this. Get this out there somehow, whether you share one of our social media posts or tell your friends that may or may not be interested in web development that we are here and we're ready to be listened to. And with that being said, if they want to go further than that, you can also come and hang out with us in our Discord server. We released this maybe about two, three months ago, and it's going extremely well. Lots of help, lots of conversation, and lots of learning going on in there, and lots of laughs to some really ridiculous slogans shared in there occasionally. So come hang out in our Discord. Again, that will be in the full show notes. Come check it out. But as we always do, we do our weekly pain points. So Mike, please take it away. All right. Uh, <laughs> weekly pain points, kind of a doozy this week. So first of all, I'd like to apologize to everyone. I'm going to sound a little sick. My nose is stuffed up. Uh, I might cough here and there because I am sick. Uh, so just sorry about that for everyone. So hopefully it doesn't annoy you too, too much. Uh, but my weekly pain point this week is actually not that. It's uh, the fact that I have a crack in my engine block on my Honda Civic. Um, so that's going to kind of put a damper on anyone's day because usually when that happens, you don't really have much of a choice but to uh, either replace your car, replace your engine. It's never it's never a good thing to have a crack in your like main component of a, of a vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it was definitely kind of a damper on my week and was definitely a pain point so far. Uh, we'll see how it goes for the rest of the week. I'm going to try to deal with that. What about you, Matt? So my weekly pain point is a doozy, and it is just 2019. <laughs> 2019 has been a disaster for many people involved. Mike's engine block cracked. I'm going to throw him into the into the ring there. <laughs> we got we got multiple family members passing away across a bunch of people that I know. We got people getting in car accidents, I'm sure, as they always happen every year. And we got a whole bunch of crap going on. So my entire weekly pain point, I couldn't think of one, so it's just 2019. It's a disaster, and it needs to stop. That sounds like a freaking poster. Well, hopefully... This is a disaster, and it needs yeah. to stop. Please vote for X party during the Canadian federal election. It could you be know? a good, uh, good poster for, like, a New Year's party as well. 2019 is a disaster, and it needs to stop. Come to our party. You could do an inverse Uncle Sam on bad years, right? No, no wait. You know what I'm saying? No. And then good years, you become Uncle Sam. Yep. Wait, no. You would do it the other way because you'd be like, we want you, meaning the next year. But then, ah. yeah, you get it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't okay. really, it doesn't really work, and you'd have to explain it to literally everybody. So, <laughs> And people would be like, what? And then you'd explain it, and some like hammered people would be like, yeah, man. You know, th- stuff like that. But anyway, just the all the developer talk on this show. So this is a mic-heavy episode so mike please take it away with what is burnout all right the video uh, game as, <laughs> as you have mentioned this this episode is going to be talking about developer burnout so let's get right into it what is burnout so the, th- the first thing i'm going to talk about is kind of how to detect your in you're getting to the state of burnout and then i'll mention what it actually is because it is kind of a ser- it could be a serious thing uh so I got I got uh, most of these from a article from a Dev Two article that I'll link in the show notes. It's called "Developer Burnout Is Real," and it 
I'm sure that most of you have felt some, if not all of these symptoms. I don't know if all of you have actually felt burnout because it is a pretty serious kind of feeling when you get to it. Um, so we definitely want to avoid it. That's the whole point of this episode is like, we got to avoid burnout as developers or as really any sort of profession that you're working in. You don't want to get burnt out. Trust me. Uh, so signs of burnout. First thing here, trouble getting started with your work or even getting there in the first place. So when you wake up and you feel like you just don't want to get out of bed and you don't want to go into work, uh, you don't want to do anything that's associated with your work as a developer. You don't want to, you know, open up your IDE. You don't want to even check your email, stuff like that. That's a very strong sign that you're going to, you're going to, you're starting to feel developer burnout. And it's something that you should definitely feel and start, you know, changing. And I'll talk about ways to uh, avoid developer burnout as we go on. So the next thing here is feeling constantly irritable or impatient with clients, teachers, like with everyone. So when you're kind of talking in a one-to-one communication or an email to your superiors, to your clients, whatever, and you feel like you're just hate talking to them at all times and you want to avoid it and you, you know, you want to tell them off sometimes, another really good sign that you're approaching burnout. Then your achievements bring you no satisfaction. So when you finish something and you feel nothing after you finish it, big, big problem, obviously. Like you want to, you want to have that recognition for your work. You want to have that sense of achievement when you finish something. That's a very important step in any kind of job, but it's like a, a big step in web, in web development or any sort of development is when you finish something, it should feel awesome because it was such a big project and you're just like, okay, great. It's done. Now let's move on to something else. Next thing here is you're engaged in escapist behavior through drugs, food, alcohol, or entertainment. So essentially, if you're at work and you're thinking about the next thing, like how am I going to, you know, eat myself to death? How am I going to do some crazy drugs or something? Jesus How am I gonna Christ. Go? <laughs> yeah, we're bringing out, we're bringing out you, this. Burn, like, like burnout can be a serious thing. Like you can go like how I'm going to go out and just get hammered so I don't remember today, stuff like that. If you have that feeling when you're at work on a consistent basis, uh, yeah, you have a problem. And I mean – Burnout is one of them, but you also have other problems, which kind of like it's burnout can be a multitude of different things combined, right? So your work could, could start burnout. Your home life could help or, you know, worsen your state, as I would say. Um, so just make sure that you're aware that these things are definitely big, like known. You've got to help yourself in some way. Next thing here is your sleep habits or appetite have changed. So that's kind of like. Uh, an obvious one for any sort of situation so as soon as you feel like you're out of your routine for sleep if you're not sleeping enough usually that's a sign that you have something you have issues with your life you have issues with either health or your mental state uh it's something that you should definitely take care of maybe go to a sleep therapist maybe go just go to the doctor check get yourself checked out if you can uh do whatever do whatever you can in those situations to get out of it but if it's it also is another step to being burnt out so all these things obviously combined or a multitude of these things can be a very big sign that you're about to be burnt out. And this is something that when you are burnt out could lead to very detrimental day-to-day and normal functions. So you would be you would be in a state where you can't do the work that you have to do. You would be in a state that when you do work, it's not up to the level that you're usually doing it or not like not being done at all. So you go to work, you open up your IDE and you're typing nothing like you're typing just garbage or you're typing like one function a day or something like that that doesn't work or whatever like when when you get burnt out it's a, it's to the point where you can't work anymore essentially like you're literally just like done so you don't want to get there that's my a, a big big point uh and obviously with all this other stuff like if you get involved with 
drugs and alcohol and get addiction habits and sleep deprivation, that could lead to much, much worse things that obviously everyone can kind of understand what it could lead to, but it could even lead to death, obviously, if you get there. So let's try to avoid being burnt out. Now, I, I have a I have a question or a question or a – I was going to say a proposition, but that's incorrect. But it's, it, it's more of a thing where it's like in your opinion, I guess, because we're not doctors, we're not psychologists. In your opinion, how consistent does this, be, does this behavior need to be? So, for example, some people would experience – something just squealed beside me. That's good. Probably, probably one of your assistants. One of my – oh, Jesus. Experiencing extreme burnout in the corner. Get to work! <laughs> Get a job. But anyway, um, what, what consistency do you think this would have to be? So some people are just going to have bad days, whatever, but of some course. people would also have a rep, like a repeatable cycle where it's like they're burnt out at the end of the week. They kind of like live for the weekend and come back. And I'll just offer my thoughts really quick on that. So like, I actually think that if it's, cause some people would say, well, it's the weekend. You're supposed to get some rest. A little bit of burnout. I'm sure at the end of the week, like, I mean, a little bit. Or just being tired kind of makes more sense. But it, if you're like burnt out every week, I think you have a problem as well. And I would also say that if it's more than like a week in a row, like if you're like de- not depressed, but if you're burnt out, or you have these symptoms for more than a week, in my opinion, that's also a, a flag. But if it's like two days, because there's like a really big project that you really don't want to do, that's not that bad. You know what I'm trying to say? No, for sure. And and I completely agree with you. So it, it, there's different stages and there's different paths to being burnt out so stuff that can make you burnt out is like just being ground to death right with work so having so much work that you can't complete it i think one of the big one of the big things that will lead people to be burnt out is never seeing the end of a project or never seeing the end of your work ever being finished so why do why does mail have such a high like you know going crazy rate and going postal rate why does stuff like you know jobs like that are on a consistent basis, you never get to see the end of your – you never get to see a result. So when you're oh, in a yeah, project yeah. and the – like maybe the deadline just keeps getting pushed back and you get more and more thrown on your plate and you never get to actually finish a project or something like that and then you have more projects piling on top of that, I think those kind of situations are the ones that can lead to burnout. Whereas like you said, if you have a couple of a couple of days to finish a project and yeah, you're feeling burnt out one day and then the next day you're like, okay, I finished it. Everything's fine. That's not some a sign of burnout. If that happens on a consistent basis, like all of these things have to be happening on a consistent basis. Like if you have a bad, a bad day and you have a bad night's sleep, like one night, I wouldn't be too worried. If you, if you have like three or four nights a week where you sleep, where you sleep terribly, yeah, I would start to get worried. If you're sleeping terribly every night, go get help. Like period. You know what I mean? Change something in your life. Don't – well, I mean, I was about to say I sleep pretty terribly, but I need to change my mattress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sleeping on about yes. an 18-year-old mattress here, folks. So, yeah. so wake go, up with – Go get wake up help with... in the form of getting a new mattress. But you're not you're not burnt out. Like you're not – like you – and we'll talk about the, the steps to avoid being burnt out in a second. But like I know you're not burnt out no. <laughs> because of the way that we talk to each other. Another another sign of burnout actually, and this is something I didn't mention, is the fact that you don't talk to people. Like you, when you're feeling – burnt out and you're you're almost burnt out you're gonna start to kind of recluse yourself and you're gonna go into yourself and you, you're not gonna want to talk to people because you're not gonna want to share these kinds of feelings that you're feeling terribly and you're gonna kind of go into yourself um that's another sign where you'd be like okay i should probably change something if if you're usually a person that always talks to people or like at least sometimes you know reaches out to your family and friends and all of a sudden you're like i'm not doing it anymore because i just feel terrible all the time because of my work definitely start to change something 
So the other thing is like there, there's other ways to get burnt out. It can't. It, it's not just about like being hammered at work. Uh, sometimes it's just about having terrible communications with your clients, your your uh, superiors, and stuff like that. So if you if you're on a daily basis dreading to go to work because you don't want to talk to anyone. <coughs> Sorry about that. Or As or, or coughing instead of talking. That's a that's a clear <clears throat> sign, Mike. You're like, man, I really don't like this. Pro- yeah. <coughs> oh, I'm sorry, guys. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Clear sign that I'm burnt out, but I'm not. I'm okay because I definitely see the signs. And the reason that I'm saying this is because, like, I had a I had a couple of really hectic weeks, but I was able to kind of identify that okay, this is starting to get really hectic, and I had to get some separation between some things. So as soon as I started feeling like, oh man, I'm getting overwhelmed and I'm I'm starting to feel that burnout maybe happening in the future. I'm like, okay, I detected the signs. So I just told you the signs, make sure that you can detect them. And then I started doing things to prevent prevent it and avoid it. So I'm going to talk about that right now. So how do I avoid being burnt out? So first thing, like I just mentioned, the big thing, learn to recognize the symptoms. So I told you the symptoms, the signs of burnout, learn to recognize them. As soon as you start feeling some of those come on on a consistent basis, uh, try to change something in your life. Try to try to change the way you approach work. And uh, again, use some of these tips that I'm going to be talking about right now. So constant stress in the workplace will usually lead to burnout quicker. So when feeling the stress rise, try to take a step back from what you're working on. So this happens to me all the time. Uh, I've been recently working on a lot of cross-platform development stuff and trying to interface between two cross-platform technologies. Um, and that's been really frustrating for me. So every time I get to a stopping point or like a wall, uh, I'll try to get through that wall for a bit. But as soon as I hit like, you know, multiple, multiple walls in a row, I will usually take a step back and try to work on a different project or try to work on something else, try to, you know, get some emails written, stuff like that. Something that I can immediately finish and do and feel like I've done something because when you're, when you're hitting walls on a consistent basis and you're not getting stuff done, you start to feel like your self worth going down immediately because you're not completing anything. I actually, I actually, oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I have a point about that. I thought you were moving on to the next one was, one of the things I, I do to like take myself, cause I, I, I used to panic so much in like school that I would just like stare at like a blank, a blank screen for like, like an actually off television for like 10 or 15 minutes a day. I would just sit there and like panic, which isn't great. Um, <laughs> yep. there, there, there's a, there's a sign for you. But, um, one of the things that I, I do now is I just think to myself, if I, this might sound morbid, but hang on. If I were to like suddenly like fall ill or something is forcing me not to work right now and I'm being, I'm being forced out of the project right now, what's going to happen? And normally it's not that the whole business is going to collapse. I'm going to lose my financial like well being and everything's going to go to, to hell as you would think when you're actively working on it. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like I remove myself from it. It's like if I had to call you and was like, I broke my leg. I'm I'm gonna go into surgery for four days. I don't know that that's outrageous, but you know what I mean. I'm gonna be in surgery for four days. Like I can't work for four days. Broken leg. That's one hell of a broken leg. But the point is, though, it's not like you're gonna be like, all right, you're fired, get out of here, and then that's it. No one's gonna do that. You know what I mean? So like, just if you can think about like, oh, I I could remove myself, and the world isn't gonna collapse. Then then I I can kind of get back into it, kind of take a sip of coffee, and then move back on into it. Exactly. That's how I deal with it. Yeah, and that's a that's a really good point. So, like, again, taking that step back, realizing that you can take a step back, like you're pointing out, Matt, is a huge, huge thing that you can do. Make sure that 
make sure that you're always in a situation where you can take a step back as well. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're like, if I take a step back, the entire world will collapse and that's it. Like you don't want to be in that situation really. You want to always have a way to, you know, you don't want, you're not going to step back for a month. You're not going to step back for even like sometimes you'll step back for a couple hours. As long as you're able to do that, uh, then you can kind of, you always have a way to avoid getting into a situation where you're going to get really frustrated and stressed out. So the other thing is, and this kind of goes to your point, Matt, take time off when you can. And it's not going to happen all the day. You're not going to be able to take time off whenever you want, right? Because you're, you're going to have different kinds of schedules and you're going to have, it's going to be hectic sometimes. You're going to have, you know, deployments to do and, and deadlines to reach. But sometimes when you, when you see it in the future happening, like, oh, I'm going to have a deployment here and I'm not going to have another deployment there. Maybe I should take a few days here because it makes sense. Do those few days because they don't come very often. And when you can take them and it's not going to be super detrimental to your team or to your company, take them when you can because, they, again, they don't come very often and you want to take advantage of a little bit of time off and a little bit of time to disengage and start uh, kind of doing some other things other than developing to avoid being burnt out. So the other thing is try to tear yourself away from the screen and do something productive or fun. So when you're working, obviously you want to get into a working state, but at the end of the day, and usually what happens with developers is we'll work really long hours. So sometimes you'll get into a rhythm and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you'll get into a really long rhythm of just like, oh, I'm getting stuff done and getting stuff done and I'm going to work for you know 12, 13 hours just to get this done. But the problem with that is that if you keep doing it on a consistent basis and then you get into this routine where you're doing that, but then all of a sudden you're hitting issues. So you're working 13 hours. You're not really feeling yourself accomplished because you're it's issue after issue after issue. Those 13 hours are going to be really long. And by the end of the day, you're going to be so burnt out just from that day that you're not going to be able to do anything fun. So when you're getting in the, into those situations where you're, again, you're not feeling accomplished after you do a certain, a certain task and you're not getting stuff done, that's a sign that you should step away earlier than you would usually in that day. Like, so work your regular eight hour, seven hour shift or seven hour day, maybe even less. Try to go for six that day because you're, you're not being productive. Like something's wrong. Something in your head is not working. So take a step back and do something fun. Go watch a movie. Go for a walk. Like, I don't know. Go, go read, go read outside. Go to the coffee shop. Do, do something away from your computer environment. Maybe go play video games. Like I'm not like, you don't have to completely avoid screens because a lot of people's hobbies involve screens. But like I was just saying, like avoid your development screen essentially. Um, that's kind of what I do on a consistent basis. When I have productive days, I, I like sitting down and working for extensive times. So that's not a problem. Like if you're if you're working for like 13 hours a day and you're having fun at it or you're you're enjoying it because you're completing something, there's nothing wrong with that. But as soon as you have a 13-hour day and you have completed nothing because you've run into a wall after wall, you're going to have a bad time. So just keep keep that in mind. The other thing here is to learn when to say no to your clients, <coughs> managers, and superiors. So – a lot of the time, a, a manager will be kind of a non-technical manager and they'll ask you to do things that don't make sense. And a lot of the time, you'll have to say yes to them or you'll have to just kind of take it and roll with it and then explain when you can't get something done. And that can be a very stressful situation. So when someone when – when a manager comes up to you and is like, I need you to finish this feature uh, tomorrow when it's going to take you three weeks because they don't know the technical aspect of it. You have to be able to say no to that situation. Otherwise, you're going to put yourself in a burnout, like burnout situation. 
Because if like that's an extreme case, obviously, but it could be like it could be more reasonable where like this feature will take three weeks and they're only giving you a week. That kind of thing will will put a really big stress on you. And that happening consistently without you ever saying no will definitely lead to a situation where you can feel yourself burnt out. So make sure you can not just say no, just don't be like, no, I'm not doing this. And that's it. No, you have to say no. Uh, I'm going to like, the reason why I can't do this in a week is because A, B and C and like, I I've done this before. This is how long it usually takes. I've done, I do this very effectively. So this, like it, it takes less time than like someone that never done it before. Whatever the situation is, you have to explain it. Maybe you haven't done it and that's why it's going to take long. It doesn't matter. <coughs> but regardless, you have to explain it to them and tell them how, how long it's going to take. If they push back, then you have to kind of push back as well. Like, Sometimes maybe you'll have to compromise and do like, okay, it's not going to take three weeks. I'll crunch and do it in a week and a half or two weeks. But as long as they know that you're willing to say no, they'll kind of approach you in a different way. And uh, it's it's usually a better relationship between the both of you where at least you're you're able to say your point. Like obviously not just no. You have to explain yourself. That's the point. And this goes the same thing with any client. You can explain to them the same the same way that you can a manager. So the other thing is here uh, is not getting recognition for your work. And I've already mentioned this will definitely lead to burnout. So if, if it continually happens, so if let's say <clears throat> you, you're on a continue, you're in an agency and you're constantly finishing your, like do, doing your uh, websites and maybe you don't see them to completion every time because you pass off the website to someone else to see complete. And so you're in a situation where you're never actually completing a site, right? I'm sure that happens pretty often. Uh, and you're constantly working. It could lead to a situation where someone's not giving you recognition for any of the piece of the site. Because the person that finishes the site will get all the kind of, okay, good job. You finished the site. Let's move on to something else. You're never going to get that. And that's a big problem that you kind of have to adjust to. So if you're in that situation, talk to your managers. Try to put yourself in a situation where you can at least uh, get a sense that you've finished something and maybe add it to your your monthly reviews or by you know quarterly reviews, whatever. Be like, I need to see what I've done and I need to see what I can improve on stuff like that. You need to know what, what you've done is correct and what you, what you've done is some of what you've done is incorrect to, to be able to improve. Another thing that you could do is try to get some code reviews done because in code reviews, yes, they're going to criticize some code, but they're also going to show you where you're, where you're on the right track, where you're, where you're thinking positively. And that's another form of recognition. So try to get recognition where you can as much as you can, because it's definitely a huge motivating factor to continue to do your work. So with that, obviously there's many other ways to avoid being burnt out. Any other like, you know, get, do like exercise every day, stuff like, like eat properly will help. Uh, but these are kind of very specific to the development environment that I've mentioned. Uh, all the other ones are kind of specific to everything else you can, you can think of and you can find them in many books and stuff. So I, I, I wanted to focus on these, uh, these points that I came up with. So. With that, I think I'm going to move on to the web news, which is Matt's doing this week. Well, I actually have I actually have a, a thing that I, I just thought of near the end there, and one of the things that, like, I, I guess I'm like similar to you in that I can like kind of slowly identify if I'm getting burnt out. And normally with me, it comes from like just like a certain project. Like if a project is just really kind of grinding on and on and on, it, it really like it sucks, uh, especially if things keep getting added. Scope creep is like the sort of the quote unquote official term for it, and it just it sucks. But one of the things that I found myself doing was th- – th- this comes from your point about, you know, maybe step back kind of thing. One of my – one of the things is that I found myself not doing plans 
until I was done a project. So a, a, pr- a prime example would be if I was, let's say, working, like, let's say, for example, uh, for whatever reason, I started working later in the day. I started working at 1 p.m. And at like 4 p.m., someone messages me. So I'm like, you know, three hours in. Someone messages me and they're like, I want to go quickly to the mall and just grab like a hamburger. Do you want to come with me? I would be like, no, I'm working now. I can't do that, whatever. Now, I will still do that sometimes. But what, what I what I find myself doing now is I will more often than not say, yeah, sure, I'll go with that person. Because well, what that does for me is I find that I work really good at night when I have like the deadline of sleep. Like when I find myself getting tired for whatever reason, I find myself like really like ripping through things. And so what will end up happening is, is it, I'm not being lazy. Like I work my three hours. I'll maybe leave for an hour to go have that, you know, I'll go have a burger with a friend and then I'll come back and just like rip through like another six, seven hours. But it doesn't feel like another six, seven hours. It was just like, you know, I kind of built up all this stuff. Now I know what I need to do today. Go out, you know, chill for a bit and then come back. I don't do this every time. I don't do this every day, certainly. But it, what I was finding was I was actually starting to resent my work because I was like canceling plans with friends and stuff. Like I was like, man, like this is, this is stupid. Like I'm literally just sitting here trying to figure out this database value or like whatever, you know, some rudimentary thing where normally it's like a wall I've hit. And I'm like, I'm literally just sitting here trying to figure this out. And like people are out there having fun. <laughs> and I know that sounds stupid or maybe it sounds childish, but like that's kind of, I found myself doing that all the time where I was like, man, if, if this, if I could, if I was smart enough, like that's literally what I was saying to myself. If I was smart enough to figure this shit out now, then I would be able to go out and do stuff, but I can't. But then I found myself like, well, if I, if I actually do go out and do those things, I'm refreshed even in the middle of the day. I come back and I don't, it's not like I'm lazy and I just work for another half hour. I just rip right through it and I usually get past that wall or get a bunch of other stuff done, whatever the, the schedule calls for. So not everyone has that luxury, of course, especially if you work for an agency or fixed hours, that type of thing. But I do almost all my server work in the middle of the night. I do almost all of my, all of my like personal work because I have like personal projects here and there. I do almost all my personal stuff in the middle of the night. And, and it's usually after everyone else is going to bed or when the plan is done and everyone's like, all right, you know, we're heading home for the night. They go home and then I got, I come back home and literally start working again. So maybe that'll work for you. I don't know if you have any comments on that, Mike, but like, that's, I don't know whether like that, that was something that you had done or anything where you, you start to like res- literally resent the work because of it. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and so, I sometimes do that. Um, especially if I'm having like an issue with a project. So like, like, like you said, like if, if I were to have, if I were to, you know, have a bunch of issues and just, you know, wall after wall after wall, and then someone texts me like, Hey, we're going out to the mall or we're going out to eat over here. You want to come with us? I'll be more inclined to say yes if I'm having issues. If I'm being productive and I'm coding along, I'll usually say no because that'll break up my day uh, and it'll actually be a detriment because I'm, I'm having a good time. But when I am having issues, I definitely use an, any excuse I can to step away because I'm 100% better. And I've tested this many, many times when I come back after I've been refreshed and I'm able to usually solve the problem 10 times quicker than if I were just hammer at it over and over and over and over again. 100, 100%. And, and you, you hate the project less. It just feels like it's work again, where you're not, where you're not like resenting it for, you know, like, I know it's not a person, but like, you're, you're not like resenting it for like not allowing you to do things. You're like, you are in control of, of your, you're not in control of your work schedule always, but you're in control of your workload management. And so there are ways 
whether whether you have the ability to leave and come back. But there are other ways, as Mike has already named, that you can sort of cut down on that resentment. And that's sort of really key for me, for sure. And um, what was the, what was the other point I was going to make? Oh, for the take time off when you can, would you say, Mike, and this is just an opinion question now, would you say, Mike, that you would you would suggest people take off, because I've heard this argument several times now among friends, take off more frequent but shorter vacations or longer vacations that happen less frequently to avoid burnout? This is a, it's a good question. Um, I honestly think that there should be kind of a mix of both, in my opinion. Like, I, I know it's a cop-out answer, but uh, sometimes you do need to get those, like, multiple weeks away or even, a, like, a full week away. Okay. And sometimes it's good to kind of break up your vacation by just a couple of days. It's essentially whatever you can, right? Like, n- not all of us have the luxury to be able to take off, you know, uh, weeks at a time. Like, I, I know we really don't have that luxury very often. So when you get that luxury, when you are, are, are able to do it, do it, right? Especially if you have your own business. If you can find a, if you can find a time where you're going to have a low amount of clientele, a low amount of calls, try to, try to book that time off because all the other time you're going to be extremely, you know, in demand. Right. Yeah, because I've been hearing that more and more from people who work for just sort of standard companies where in Canada, I think the law, and I'm not a lawyer, I think the law is like you need two weeks mandatory after the first year or something of like vacation. And oftentimes a company will let you not necessarily just take two weeks straight up or like a week at a time. They'll, they'll allow you to piece out the days. And I hear a lot of people that try to like, you know, take if the Monday is already a holiday, they'll take the Friday and that way they're only using one of their days. So they get four days and then they'll, you know, they'll do that repeatedly throughout the year or they'll just take the Friday and the Monday on a random time. And so I've always kind of like wondered what the, what the best was. I know I, I used to know, also know a guy that would refuse to take any time off unless it was a week, like a, or no, more than a week. Cause he always said that like the week was always him forgetting work and then he would start back up again. And so he said like he would take a week to forget about work and to get into the chill mindset, I guess. And then he would take a week of just doesn't, doesn't care because now he's so far removed from what the team is doing that he needs to be caught up. But if he were to like jump back in after a week, he realistically doesn't nearly need to be caught up unless anything major happened. He can just start working again and he wants to be disconnected to that degree. So I, I just thought it was an interesting point that like some people, like everybody has like a different way to deal with their burnout and like taking holidays in certain uh, configurations, I guess, is a is a very specific one per person. But yeah, I think I think uh, what, one comment I want to make on that is like, if I were to take a multiple week holiday, let's say, I wouldn't be able to just completely disconnect. A couple days, I could disconnect probably without too much of a ramification, right? But a week or even two weeks, I would have to at least do maintenance. <clears throat> so check my emails. Uh, if there's any sort of updates, like, you know, FTP updates that I need to do, do the FTP updates, stuff like that. Kind of like just maintain all the connections and stuff like that. Just not make sure that you have everything booked off as in like, I'm not working on projects at this time, but if something comes up, I am available. So that's a consideration that I always take. So when I, if I were to ever take a week off, I always go, like, if I'm going to go to a resort, I'll go to a resort with a good Wi-Fi connection. You know what I mean? Um, if I'm going somewhere, I'll go to a places that have good Wi-Fi that at least have like in, in short, in short distance away. So I can't go to places like Cuba, uh, for the most part because they have just terrible, 
uh, connection for if I would go for a longer time. That that's kind of what that, those are the considerations I take when I take longer vacations, shorter vacations. I think it's impo- sometimes important to disconnect. I think that's that is a key thing. Um, but don't like I can't personally disconnect for a very long time. And until and 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 to be fair, as a result of it being the fact that we're a small business, eventually you would be able to. It don't. It almost be like the working goal. Like like that's not what you would have in mind. But like once you get a staffer that can do it, it's like you really you really can. Like you can disconnect to the point where as long as your phone will ring in an absolute emergency, you don't have to pick it up. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like it's like this is kind of sort of like the the interim startup phase thing. Because eventually, uh, I'm talking about right now. Yeah, I'm talking about right now. I can't disconnect, but in the future, I definitely want to. Yes, exactly. So it's like have that as a goal as well. If you're getting burnt out being like, Jesus, this is never going to end. Well, make that a goal. Maybe you need to hire an assistant like that guy who squealed over there earlier, <laughs> or, or like whoever. Make sure you, you, you have that goal where you need, where you, you know what you need to, to fully unplug. So then work toward that. And that'll be like your thing that you complete. If you know what I'm trying to say, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, li- like link it back to your prior terms where you were saying like, make sure you complete something. So, but anyway, um, after a very clunky, uh, transition there, web news, um, stifling innovation via the mainstream. So this is sort of something that's come up several times. If you listen to a lot of the, uh, the tech YouTubers and that type of thing just comes up in, you know, piecemeal here and there in the odd video over the last few years. And I'll just kind of list out some of these points. And then I have like kind of a big two-parter question here. So all, all phones are basically slabs of glass with a big screen and a few cameras, at this point, and then with, you know, if you take it into the computer side, all laptops are either just big, heavy workhorses or small, thin and light models. And for the most part, these are all consistent across brands. They are, there's nothing massively different about e- like any other brand. There's some different looks. There's some different statistics. There's some different pricing. But at the end of the day, if it was a total emergency, you could almost pick up any laptop and just get the job done. So... Whenever a strange, a quote unquote strange product comes out, it pretty much immediately gets squashed, usually by lack of sales, lack of marketing. Maybe the media doesn't cover it. Maybe the media makes fun of it. People make fun of it, whatever. But those strange things usually, you know, kind of spark new ideas, but they come out so, so at such a low frequency now, or they are buried in like, let's say like. AliExpress has like millions of products or I don't know if it's actually millions, but the heck of a lot of products. There's some, I'm certainly like, there's certainly some like, you know, different form factors for phones, let's say in there, but no one's going to know what they are. No one's looking up those, those form factors. They don't care. And so with that, do you think that main, that the mainstream stifles innovation or do you think that it actually weeds out bad products that are claiming to be innovative? Um, well, I, I, hmm. I, I tend to believe it both like a good example of, uh, <clears throat> of stifling innovation is the, the slab of glass thing, right? Like, do we, I know the main, the mainstream media makes it look like these, like, you know, no bezel phones are great and all that, but they do come with their problems. Like for instance, the speakers usually suffer because the speakers are getting taken at like less and less space on the front. Um, the the fact that the front camera has to be somehow like hidden or something like that usually makes the front camera worse or they have to, you know, they're impeding the actual glass. Stuff like, like there's needless things that are being 
pushed on us. No headphone jack is another one. Like there, there's no, there was no need for that, but that's because a mainstream company like Apple went and decided to remove the headphone jack for no Excuse reason. Excuse me, they whatsoever. had the courage. Yeah, the courage it. to remove the headphone jack. But like that was another mainstream media stifling innovation. Like there was no reason to remove the headphone jack. You could have kept it uh, and still provided a great product. But they decided that they would be the front runner in removing it, <clears throat> knowing that they're such a big company that they will force others to follow suit. And then they could start selling more expensive headphones. Like it was just an accessory play and people bought it and stuff. Like it, it's just – it was an easy thing for them to make money and it made sense. That was a huge thing for me. Uh, and then the other thing is like batteries are suffering because they're, everyone's trying to get the phones thinner and thinner and thinner. There comes to a certain point where like, yes, you're trying to make your phone look great in the media aspect of it and look great when someone's holding it and stuff like that. But you're losing usability. Uh, the, in, in my opinion, the curves, the curved screens on uh, Samsung displays are kind of needless innovation as well. Like there's nothing – wrong with a flat screen like you're not gaining anything by looking at a curved edge you're actually losing you know the corners of your videos and stuff like that it doesn't make any sense to me like you're just again it's one of those things where like if you look at it from a photo it looks really cool but when you're looking at it straight up like it is really is not much of a difference between the between like a, a a flat screen and a curved screen it's just literally for the looks in the mainstream media. You're literally looking sometimes even at a cross section of glass, which is not, which is more translucent than transparent as glass should be. Exactly. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like you're sometimes getting text wrapping around those or edges. Like it doesn't. Oh yeah. hundred percent. The usability of a curved screen <clears throat> makes zero sense, but you still see it and it keeps happening because it looks cool. It's a status thing. So, <clears throat> so it's, it's weird to me, like th- that is stifling innovation because like I'd rather have a phone that has a slightly thicker frame, flat screen, has a headphone jack, has a bigger battery, stuff like that. And I do have a phone that's kind of there, but it- it's not like it would be better if it was like a tiny bit thicker and had a bit more battery stuff. It It's that give and take. But the other thing is that like you said, AliExpress has millions of products. A lot of those products are terrible. Like to be like blunt, bluntly honest, like there's, you know, different form factors. Sure. There's like phones that are like not in square shape. Like why do you want a phone that's a triangle? There's no reason for that. I don't know if there's actually a phone that's a triangle, but like I'm sure there is. Like there's no reason for, for these weird, like, you know, these crazy different things. Like you don't need a phone that opens up in 10 different ways. Like it's just, in my opinion, that it does help weed out a lot of really crappy products, but it also takes advantage of its power. And stifles the really like a really key features like again like I said battery life headphone jack curved screens are useless stuff like that. Well, one of the one of the things that I that I have heard as an argument against against this so like when people say that no this is actually just the normal the normal path that technology takes the normal path that things take where they become more and more and more and more and more efficient to the point where in this case, it's starting to become just a slab of glass. And yes, there's, you know, every company has a small little touch on it, but it's not that different. It, it's a slab of glass with a, it's a slab of glass with a, uh, with a, with a screen on it, essentially screening cameras. But the thing is, is like with, how do I, how do I describe this? It's like with the laptop example, laptop example is actually a really great, really great example, I think is with the laptops, laptops are kind of like, 
they're not a product that everybody uses anymore. PCs have kind of like gone out, right? And as a result, laptops really aren't, in my opinion, in the mainstream anymore. You don't really hear about laptops. You don't really hear like huge headlines breaking when it's like this company uses a different cooling system than the other one does. But if Samsung suddenly says, yeah, we got these really cool heat pipes that are made of gold or some crazy thing, right? People are going to be writing headlines. They're going to go nuts about it and do everything else. So there seems to be like a bit of shade, if you will, in in that th- that there are laptops that do have different form factors. So there's like that little bit of innovation, but they're mainstream enough to not quite be there, if that makes sense. A really good example also is actually, is and to take it completely out of normal, quote-unquote, tech, is appliances. Appliances are all built almost completely differently. Like, if you go and you hire an appliance like like technician, how often do you hear an appliance technician say, I've never seen it set up like this before? Like, pretty frequently, heaters, whatever. Yes, like, all the base components are there, but there is no mainstream that is sort of shaving it down to be like this is what a this is what a, a furnace is a furnace is like i almost said a slab of glass a furnace is like a, a cylinder that's this big and it has a fan that's this big and it's this loud and it goes and it has an exhaust that's this long if you do anything else that's weird you know whereas if somebody comes out with a phone that has like i don't know a bottle opener on the bottom you're gonna be like what the hell is that but that might be super useful for someone that camps all the time but that person that is camping all the time can't or well shouldn't in my opinion buy that phone because that phone is not probably going to get a bunch of updates if it breaks there's probably not going to be a lot of stock it's not going to be a great experience for them in the long run they're not going to get great product support and they're probably not going to get another iteration and so they are actually being forced into the mainstream and so that argument where coming back to the beginning where people say this is the natural evolution of products where you know it's getting slimmed down slimmed down slimmed down slimmed down just to glass i actually think it's because people are conforming rather than that this is what people want and the products are conforming to the people i actually think it's the other way around the only differences with phones is different price points really and the different price points come with certain you know write-offs and that type of thing of course but for the most part, the, the, the lesser cost, like you, you bought a, a cheaper phone, right? Like a mid-range phone, your Asus, for example. Is that, it's kind of, yeah. <laughs> is that considered, is that considered mid-range or is that considered like big flagship? I'm not really sure. I, I would say it's a mid-range, mid-range flagship because it, it has all the flagship specs, but mid-range price. But do you see, do you see what I'm saying? Is like, right, that's actually a great way to say that is that is actually showing how even the guys who are making or who are making compromises to allow for people with you know a smaller budget or just don't want to spend the money on a on a flagship phone they're still striving for the mainstream they're not striving for anything different which is which is i want to say concerning but like how useful would would a phone with like a crazy gadget like that be sometimes like phone with a bottle opener on it a phone with a with a with something else on a phone with a detachable battery like not a detachable battery with like an open back but like i don't know some sort of battery pack that comes out of it or something like some sort of innovation so let me let me address this um <clears throat> there have been like phones with mods right right i know Mo- motorola has done it for a really long time they still kind of support it um lg tried to do it but they've all failed <laughs> so i don't think it's anything to do with the fact that develop like develop or uh companies aren't willing to do this because some companies did yeah uh i think it's more the fact that people not enough people are willing to spend the money to invest in that ecosystem so 
there's just like for a phone with a bottle opener on it, there's just not enough demand for something like that yeah, yeah. to warrant one device for a lot of people. Like the way that it's determined if a device is successful is how much it sells. And the more it sells, the more successful it is, the more chances that it's going to be updated, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's why companies like OnePlus and stuff like that work because they're small companies. They sell enough phones where it's worth it for them to maintain their image to update their phones. That's why those companies work. Whereas if a company came out and just sold a phone with a bottle opener on it and Jack from the forest over there is like, that sounds awesome. I'll buy it. He's not going to fund their development. Jack from the forest. I hope he makes another appearance in the show. (laughs) Yeah. Jack from the forest again. (laughs) So if he comes out and buys it, that's great. But that's one guy or maybe 10 guys or maybe 100 guys. But that's not going to fund a phone. So in my opinion, that in those kinds of cases, there's just no way to do it. Like that you can't. The only way to do it is to buy a case with a bottle opener on it, which exists right for mainstream phones. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's ways to circumvent this situation because there's plenty of really cool innovation going on in accessories for phones, especially if you buy something like an iPhone or a Samsung, something that, you know, people are willing to do accessories for. Because, again, you want to do one accessory for the most amount of people as possible. You don't want to make an accessory for my phone, which is an Asus. Like there's not that many, there's still cases and stuff, but there's not that many compared to an iPhone or a Samsung because there's not that many of us that bought it. So it's one of those situations where like the more, the more demand, the the more stuff you're going to get for with it. So when you're making a purchase decision, yes, you kind of, you're kind of locked into that slab of glass, but no, when you buy a slab of glass, you can usually attach stuff to it. That, what I God, I, I, am, I am dying. Yeah, I was going to say you're you're starting to get just if you want if you want to cut her short, just let me know. Yeah, but like one one of the things though is 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 that you're correct in that, but like one of, I guess what I'm trying to point out is in the early days of phones. So like I got a phone, my first phone was a Samsung Forever, that's what it was called, and they were people were freaking out about it online. It wasn't like a mainstream thing; it was just like a standard phone that was like it had 3G, but it's like not really a smartphone. People were freaking out about it because it had a widget bar that kind of looked like an app drawer. Like, that was the big thing where it was like, holy crap, we have a phone that's not an iPhone, because the iPhone was new at that point, that, that kind of looks like it has an app. Like, literally, that was the thing. It's like, you could click and drag the widget from the bar into the main screen and have, like, a clock wherever you want. It's not just at the top. That was, like, a big thing. The guy, when I went there to buy it, told me all about it. Like, he was freaking out. He's like, the best thing about this phone is the widget bar. It's like, all right. <laughs> but, and, but, but like, at that time, you had a whole bunch of different form factors. You had the flip phones. You had Blackberries. You had iPhones. You had all these innovations. And it almost seems like whenever the mainstream comes in, they, like, attach themselves to, like, whoever gives them the most clicks, and then everyone must conform. Which, which is a complaint and not like I have a I have a BlackBerry Key 2 here. I have an S8 Plus here and I'm looking at getting a Note 10 Plus now. And I think it looks cool just because I like the look of the S8 Plus. But I like the look of the S8 Plus because the mainstream kind of told me to, if that makes sense. So in my opinion, it's it's a maturity thing. So the smartphone market wasn't mature at that time. Yes. So in that case, it was <clears throat> more likely for there to be more innovation. And more differences between products because it's maturing. As soon as a product matures, we're like, oh, we know that this works and we know that a lot of people will use it. At that point, the innovation goes away. So one thing I do want to do is I want to bring this back to web development a little bit and think about how how does this kind of 
look in the web development aspect. So which phase are we in? Is web development mature? I don't think so, in my opinion. I think we're at the point where we're at that like Samsung whatever forever or whatever you bought where like there's just so many differences between so many different frameworks, so many different things where you have choice and stuff is is really cool and stuff is developing. That's awesome. I think we're going to get to a point at some point where it's going to be like all the frameworks are exactly the same. Or there's going to be like two big ones, you know what I mean? And that's it. Where you're not going to get a new one every year like we do now, like with Svelte coming out and becoming popular. Like we're not going to get those kinds of things at some point. And we should enjoy the time that we have with this like crazy almost like wild west of stuff happening in the web development industry. But I think it is starting to mature with net with stuff like Netlify and Sanity CMS, like with stuff like that, that we're seeing with uh, all these automation platforms that make stuff that was more complicated, significantly easier for us. The barriers to entry is lower. So you're starting to get more people in here. I think at some point it's going to start getting to the point where cell phones are at right now where it's extremely mature and you're just going to get a slab of glass or like a framework that looks like this and that's it and it, or HTML and J- JavaScript and that's it. You know what I mean? That's, that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting take on that where, where we had so many different phones, so many different things that, that it was kind of the wild west and now it's really conformed and it is, it is definitely like that where people are complaining about how rapid it is, like in t- talking web development now. How rapid it is, how this this framework and this framework and then that one took this one out and this one got bought up and that one shut down and these this is how you install pa- like packages. No, I'd rather you use this. This is how you compile. No, don't compile. Use pure blah, 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 blah. Like there's a lot of noise in the industry, but you don't – this is actually really reminiscent if you like just take it with another piece of tech to just Windows and the PC in general. So – with the PC, like it was like people had crazy ports, like the parallel port and like all this other stuff that like slowly the DB9, which is a serial port, um, just to make it more nerdy, I had to call it a DB9 port. Um, but all those ports that like, got like slowly, 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 like kind of chipped away and like we didn't keep them around just because like, oh, but they could be used for transferring text files or whatever, even though they're slow. You know, we, we slowly chipped them away to now we have this sort of, you know, sleek, sleek kind of stealth, if you will, as the kids would say, stealth sort of laptop or thin and light. And then people who need more power just straight up buy a bigger one of that, essentially. Like I kind of have like a big heavy laptop and a little tiny one as well, um, which is in a tablet form, which is like the sleekest, <laughs> like the sleekest change you could do. You just rip in the keyboard right off. You just have a screen and it's a whole PC. So that's a really good, that's a really good point where I don't really complain about the PC market sort of normalizing and I actually appreciate how normalized Windows 10 is. Windows 10 seems very like we'll do we'll like there's problems, but like we'll do our updates. We'll do your updates for you. You just kind of like log in and do your thing and there's some Cortana stuff and there's all these modern little things in here, but for the most part it's just like here's your PC, plug in what you need. Good luck. Yeah. And the other the other thing is is that like, look at the browser wars, right? So <clears throat> right now we have like Firefox, Chrome, Edge, Opera. That Opera, well yeah, Opera, but those those wars used to have like big chunks, right? Big chunks of people. Now with Edge going to Chromium, mm. it's starting to become more conformed. So you're going to have Chrome and Edge, two big portions all on the same platform essentially. So it's going to that's also going to start the the you know 
the normalization of the web development industry because <clears throat> you're not going to have all these crazy things competing against each other. Like you're going to still have Firefox for how, however long, hopefully for a long time because you need some sort of competition, but you're not going to have 10 different browsers to, that you have to like prepare code for. So that's again, going to lower the barrier to entry, going to make everything simpler. And again, it's going to progress our industry. So there's definitely positives of being in this wild west phase because you get to try out a bunch of different things and there's cool things happening and, and there's new things being brought up every day. Like I'm right now, I'm sitting here waiting for an update to grit some. And like, I'm just waiting for an update because it has all these features that I really need to use. And I'm just literally sitting there and clicking the refresh on their GitHub page, like, like an idiot, but I'm doing that. And I know that in the future, that's probably not going to be like as important because again, you're going to get to this maturity where like, Instead of an update adding a bunch of cool features, it's going to add like security and uh, a couple of like, you know, maintenance things and maybe some performance issues, like things like it's going to be very mundane to like a major framework. And that's all you're going to make. And we're going to be complaining, sitting here being like, oh, remember the good old days when we had a bunch of features that got added every update. But what we don't realize is that now we're in the mature phase where we don't have to worry about 15 different frameworks, 15 different browsers to code for. It's much easier for us to do our jobs. It's going to be much easier in my opinion, because it's going to be a, a very standardized thing. Like you're not going to have these million different frameworks that you're going to have to worry about. You're not going to have a, a million different uh, browsers. Like, you're, you know what I mean? Like there's going to be more standardized things making it easier for us to do our job. It's a positive and a negative, in my opinion. That's a really That's a really interesting way to look at it as well, actually, is the perspective of the worker where – the Note 10 Plus and the Note 10 have a S Pen. The S Pen now has an SDK. Who the hell is going to code on that thing when, like, you know, you're not going to have an app or like, or very few apps that are like, oh, it just so happens if you have one, if you have this particular, you know, Samsung device that has this particular pen, we'll have a special menu for you set aside. It's like, no, I'm not going to spend time helping out just the Note 10 folk, you know? And so it depends. It depends on how many users there are. Exactly, it depends on how many users there are. But with that being said, then the the slack is picked up by to an extent by Samsung, where Samsung has to have these inner like these innovative things, like their apps, like the Gallery app, whatever, have these. I don't know some Harry Potter like wand motions, where you can like change the photo and stuff like that. But like that's just an example of like they have to kind of force some like they're conforming the pen to work in the traditional way or in their own controlled environment, like their apps. That's like, and that, that SDK won't go anywhere. I assume due to the, due to the lack of popularity. But if like four of the five big flagships that we have or whatever, however many there are, if like a big portion of the big flagships started getting stylus or pens or whatever you want to call it, then People would be like, "Oh, we need stylus menus. We need, you know, fine-tuned little things." That's really, that's really interesting. That I never thought of it as our jobs. Bringing it back to web development gets get easier with, with like if if it was, if everything was just Chrome, I'd be like, "All right, that like that's pretty good." Whereas other people might be like, "Yeah, but I remember Firefox had this like sync system or like whatever, whatever Firefox has that's innovative." I don't, I I can't think of something that's separate. But like, oh, like, you know, I used to love my Firefox menu or something, and now that's gone. Whereas for us, it's like, the hell with the menu. I just want to make a website that works. And now I have one test environment, one thing to look at. That's all I need to do. 
tests on some different screens and then I'm just moving on my life. Like you and I made the decision not that long ago, uh, probably about a year and a half ago, maybe a year to only do iPhone five and up in terms of screen size, because it comes to a point where there's so much being packed into mobile experiences that unless it's specifically requested by a client, that like that iPhone five screen, there's one in front of me right now. I think it might be a five S that is a freaking small screen. And you like, it's a bad experience. If you put a lot of crap in there, it's bad. And I'm not redoing a whole interface where it's like, Oh, I got to redo everything just for something under iPhone five. It ain't happening. And that's sort of what happens with the browsers where the browsers slowly get cut out as well. So that's really innovative or that's really interesting. I should say, um, yeah, that's a really innovative thing. They're just innovating the mainstream. Um, we need to, we need to make, I want to make a slogan per, per web news. <laughs> like, I think, I think it's something that we should invest time in. Maybe, maybe hire a writer. Yeah. Let's just start hiring folks for this. Like, I need a, every week. A slogan creator. Uh, yeah. Slogan creator. Just for one segment, I'm just going to give you the headline and you just like byline it with a slogan. That would be, it'd be awesome. But anyway, uh, unless you have anything else to say, Mike, or if you can say anything else. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm no longer talking. Okay, I'm going to run the old conclusion here. So thank you for listening and make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on the socials via at HTML, all the things that's on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter. That's at HTML, everything we are on medium and we're on GitHub. And remember, we're also on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things check out the tiers and give that a go. Many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript. You can find him at youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. And remember that works is spelled W-E-R-K-S. Also, Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design. You can find him at localpathcomputing.com. Also, Craig, a.k.a. Cosworth. And last but not least, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital. You can find him at blueblackdigital.com. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And we are signing off.